Welcome to the Hear My Story podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We love having you here. And it's our mission to bring you powerful stories of everyday people. Prepare to be inspired. Here's your host, Josh Oxendine. Hear My Story podcast, what is going on? I am your host, Josh Oxendine. Uh, Today on uh, the podcast, we get to hear the story of a woman by the name of Jennifer Jardulo. Uh, she is an incredible woman who has overcome and has this insane story of um, overcoming sickness. She did not walk for five years. Um, she could not talk for five years. Um, she was bound, couldn't use her arms. It was just one of those stories that you listen to and you're like, are you kidding me? And then um, to see her uh, now, um, it is a beautiful story of resiliency, of love that she found um, in other people and how other people cared for her and honestly, the beautiful power of science. And and, and, and now that she is... Um, able to live and tell her story. Um, I promise you, you will be inspired. This is the story of Jennifer Jardulo. We rented a wheelchair thinking just to give this ankle a break for a week. I ended up not getting out of that chair for five years. My name is Jennifer Jardulo. Hear my story. Well, it, the childhood is a quick story. It was a small town in Oklahoma and I left. <laughs> it's a very tiny little town, so I couldn't wait to get out. And um, I found myself in the clothing industry and um, maybe 19 or 20 years old. And I just sort of um, fell into door-to-door sales. Nobody told me that it was a hard way to make a living. It was the 80s. And um, not long after that, I got into the custom clothing world with my brother. At the time, uh, 40 hit, I was super healthy, married. Life was just really, it was easy. It was really just an easy, fun time. We had closed between Christmas and New Year's, so I'd had some time off. We'd been very busy. And I would come home and my feet hurt. And I thought it was just walking and the cold, and I really didn't think too much about it. But they started tingling and it sort of felt like when you hit your funny bone and it just wouldn't stop and it just kept happening and it got to the where I rolled this ankle, my right ankle about six times and I was falling and it was starting to get really painful 24-7. The progression just kept going up my legs and I couldn't, I just couldn't walk and a, a client had given me a crutch but I noticed that I kept dropping the crutch because my hands were starting to slip and uh, I couldn't pin fabric very well and I kept dropping my measuring tape. So we went back to the neurologist and did another round of tests and he just said, you'll get better, you'll get better, there's nothing we can do, you'll be fine. We rented a wheelchair thinking just to give this ankle a break for a week. I ended up not getting out of that chair for five years. So we had booked a trip to the Dominican Republic in January before I started feeling bad. It's now July, it's time to go on the trip. And the doctor said, great, beach trip should do you wonders. Get in the water, it'll be great. And um, 
On the flight down there, I lost the use of my hands completely. They just curled up and wouldn't open. So when we came back, that's when my neurologist said, huh, you're a head scratcher. I don't know what's wrong with you. So we then started the process of applying to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, because that's the premier diagnostic hospital in the world, from what I understand. And I was diagnosed with um, a condition called CIDP, and it's um, a really long name, but it's MS and ALS's ugly cousin is a, a, a great layman's way of um, saying it. And the tingling I was feeling were uh, my nerves dying. So by the time I was diagnosed, the paralysis was up almost to the middle of my stomach and it had taken my hands and it had jumped and taken my left vocal cord. So I couldn't talk or write or dial the phone or hold a pen or dress myself, comb my own hair. Like it, it was as bad as, as you can imagine. And we were told there that there's no hope. There's no treatment. They just basically sent me home to die, 40. For 14 months I lived with no hope and no real um, answers or, you know, there wasn't really any further investigation into anything else because conditions just so rare. And, um, and it wasn't until a friend of mine called one day and mentioned a website called clinicaltrials.gov. There was a number for a doctor in Chicago and I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I just told her that if I had to roll myself in my chair to Chicago, I would do it. Didn't know if it mattered if I lived in Atlanta or not. And she called right back and said, no, we're recruiting. We'd love to meet you. You've got to come up and you know be evaluated. And um, you have to get a lot of pre-testing done. Basically, the doctor takes your immune system completely away. And I lived in isolation for 30 days while my immune system was eradicated. And then um, when I was at my sickest with like no barrier at all, they reinsert your stem cells through a little IV bag. And um, every day since then I've gotten better. Um, basically it's um, a new immune system. So when I left the hospital, I was the equivalent of a newborn without any childhood vaccinations or allergies or anything that I had lived with prior, it's all brand new. It's been a slog, but it's been um, a climb up for sure. And uh, I was able to get rid of the wheelchair in January of 15. So I used it a little, uh, just a little shy of five years. In the meantime, I was able to walk with different variations of leg braces and a walker and a lot of grit and determination. <laughs> Um, probably not very safely at all, but I was determined I was going to walk again. You know, you've got you've to be your own advocate first and foremost. The, the doctors are there to suggest, but, you know, I was told by two world-renowned hospitals I would never get better, and they were both wrong. So you've got to keep fighting, and you've got to find hope. And a lot of times it's in just the smallest thing. Did a finger move today? or did somebody call, did grandma send a note? I mean, it's the tiny little things that you have to just start focusing on and trying to find. And if you can get to three things every day that you're grateful for and work your way up to five. I mean, there were days that I just would say, I'm grateful that I'm still breathing. It's about as base as it gets, but 
Um, when everything's hard and everything's a struggle, it's, it, it is a challenge to try to find something that can bring a little joy or a little light. But I think that that helps and just make that your toe hold or your hand hold or somewhere to rest your head. I don't know if body parts aren't working, it's kind of hard to use those analogies, but um, I, I do think that gratitude practice is so important because it just gets your mind focused on what's possible. It may not be today, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen in the future.